Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. It is Friday, December the 1st, and you are here with me listening to the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and I'm so thrilled that you've tuned in either live or to the replay. And I don't know about you, but I feel like we've got a massive turn of the tides happening. Well, slowly but surely, I should say. Do you feel a shift in the energy? Do you feel that a little bit more um, awakening or awareness is coming about? A week ago, they announced the coalition agreement, which some of you may or may not heard have heard about. There was a great interview earlier this week with Rodney and Paul, so check that out. If you haven't already, thank you to a lot of you, in fact, 900 of you, that joined us on the Backstage webinar. That's a webinar that we host monthly for our foundation members. And I w- I had the pleasure, I had the pleasure of emceeing that uh, monthly webinar. Thank you so much. I got a lot of people messaging me and telling me personally that they enjoyed my MC skills. Somebody the other night said that I had good managerial skills. I, I hope I gave everybody the airtime and it, it is a lot to keep up with in the chat because with 900 people, there's a lot going on. But thank you so much for joining us. And we had a lot to talk about. And because there's there's some breakthroughs, there's some traction. Um, I know what I, I always say, we don't want to put all our eggs in the political basket. And I absolutely agree uh, with myself again on that. So I want to reiterate that, that we have the power to do so much ourselves, not just rely on political outcomes. However, I have to say I'm very pleased with how things ended up, given the way that they were looking as the votes were coming in. And, um, you know, with the therapeutics bill being, uh, you know, being ditched, that's amazing. Um, some A couple of other, you know, looking at COVID inquiry. I mean, that is the number one thing that I am very much wanting. Something independent, something very in-depth, and fingers crossed for that. Um, I know that we're wary of politicians, or at least I am, um, but I feel like we're heading in the right direction. That's what I'm thinking at the moment. But there's still so much to do, and there's still so much to do here on Reality Choker Radio. So thank you for listening. Please do go ahead, by the way. You can spread the word by sharing, simply just sharing a link to either one of my interviews or an interview from one of the other hosts that really resonated with you or that you think someone in your life is hopefully ready to hear or to be open open their eyes to. We had a, an amazing get together just a few nights ago here in Auckland with a few of our amazing sponsors and supporters, um, volunteers and and people involved in Reality Check Radio. It's a massive, it's a massive um, undertaking, as you know, to pull it all together. But I feel like we have had a massive impact collectively over the past eight months. So please do pat yourself on the back as well for even just tuning in, it does make a difference. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on the coalition or anything else. Definitely get in touch with us 2057 on the text. I am going to go in a moment to some messages. So let's hear what some of our audience thought of my guests last week. If you didn't hear them, you can catch them on the replay. I was speaking to Carmel Riley. We talked about super manifesting. And I also spoke with Jeff Neal from The Facts. And he has found some incredible uh, statistics, and you can go and check out thefacts.nz and definitely check out the replay on that. Here's what some of our listeners thought. There's no name on this one, but this person says, I love Carmel's talk. I can't wait for her second book on astrology as a regular stargazer of the southern skies. Thank you so much for writing in. Another one here. 
loved the program, loving the program. My frustration is the feeling that I'm being herded in a direction I don't want to go, and my right to free will is being eroded. Well, I'm sure that many, many of a tons of our listeners will resonate with that. Hopefully, you're feeling that you now can carve your own path more than in the past, or maybe you have the courage to do that. The reason this person who's writing and is talking about frustrations is on my interview last week, Jeff Neal literally reeled off his list of frustrations, and it was long and it was in depth, and and many of them you will be familiar with. So again, go and have a listen to that uh, when you get a chance on the replay page. Here's another one. Hi, Natalie. I connected with Karen Creighton after your interview, and I joined one of her groups Um, And I'm already on my way to 5 kg weight loss. So amazing. Oh, that's so brilliant. Yes, she actually had a lot of people reach out to her and join her program, which is so good. Uh, It's kind of a different take on weight loss, which is exciting. So if you guys want to write in during the show, as you listen in, sometimes we tell you about websites that you can contact our guests on. And if you don't catch the details, you can always just text us and ask us for the details. We're more than happy to send them to you. You can send a text 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Welcome back. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. My next guest is Cameron Tukapua, and we are going to be talking about sovereignty and connecting connecting heart and mind. Welcome to the show, Cameron. Thank you. I'm very honored and uh, delighted to be here. Thank you. So I'll do a very quick shout out to a previous guest from a few weeks ago. We had the beautiful uh, Brian Bernie man, so calm, so wise, and he connected us and he's the reason you're here with me today. So it's such an honor to have Cameron here. If you guys are listening and you haven't heard of Cameron Tukapua before, she is a well-being coach, passionate about empowering people to know and heal themselves. She's been studying and practicing Chinese medicine for four decades and was the owner-director of NZQA-registered acupuncture college. Cameron helps people connect the heart and mind to make sense of their worlds and align with their own knowing. Sovereignty, as you may know, is a hot topic of conversation in today's world, and Cameron introduces how to claim our sovereignty by listening to the heart. In Chinese medicine, the heart is known as the supreme ruler. Through the heart, we are awake to what's happening around us and aware of what's happening within us, our thoughts and emotions. Bringing the outer and inner worlds together, we create a sense of balance and order for our lives. In the last three to four years, there's been a lot of out of order activities, all hard to integrate, and this disturbs the heart, the mind and thinking as many ways and many of us are now affected. To reclaim the balance of heart and mind, it's helpful to be aware of the big picture and see where we are on the map. At this time of the collective breaking down to break through, listening to our own truth and showing up in the shift we want to see is medicine. Cameron believes we can all be the healers and we can all help each other. I absolutely agree. I'm so thrilled to dive into all of these topics today and I know my audience will be happy to hear about them. Before we dive in too much, I know you and I just connected. It has been a what what are the words? Uh, challenging, fascinating time that we've all been navigating. How have the last three years? Well, it's probably four now, four years now. How have they been for you personally? I think uh, one of the biggest things is um, very confronting. 
like, you know, as a Kiwi who's grown up in this country and spent um, most of my life living here, I'm used to feeling protected and I'm used to feeling like there's nothing really in this country that's going to threaten me. Like we don't have poisonous snakes, we don't have spiders, we don't have, you know, things in the ocean that are going to, oh, well, obviously if you're surfing a bit you might get a shark, but we don't really have things in our immediate environment that threaten our safety. And uh, it's been really confronting as a healthcare professional to recognize that has now come into the sphere of healthcare. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here in my clinic today. I've just seen someone, you know, right before this interview who brought me in a photograph of somebody's head that had been opened up to remove a tumor in the brain. And I'm seeing this kind of thing often people bringing me images and stories from their people, their friends who are having, you know, rather extreme uh, medical events that we didn't used to hear so much about, you know, regular skin conditions such as shingles and mm. scabies and psoriasis and sudden death due to heart attacks, strokes, um, all these disorders of the circulatory system. And it's so in our face in uh, healthcare yeah. um, services. And uh, I find it just so confronting that this is happening right in, in my world. So adjusting to that's been massive. And at the same time, it's also um, I see it as part of our collective wake-up call there's so much that's been offline for, you know, a couple of decades now, two or three maybe. And uh, we all need to be, you know, woken up. And um, many of us are waking up as a response to the intensity of this shout, this call out. And I think that's the upside of that. And that's mm. a conversation that I like to encourage wherever I can. It's interesting because I, I I imagine it is very confronting for you. And I do know a lot of people in the health industry, particularly holistic health, and they, like you, have people coming left, right, and center with all of these things. But there's other people as well who have totally moved on and it's not in their face and it's not confronting because all they think about is, well, the protest was a while ago and like they've really moved on. How do we How do we navigate that when some people just... It's it's not a day to day issue for them at all. Well, I th I think we can't do so much about other people's experience, but we can absolutely take the reins of our own. And what helps me is taking a heart's eye view. So in Chinese medicine, we recognize that the heart is the supreme ruler of consciousness, and it is our personal link to divine awareness. You know, the the ultimate. Um, unity consciousness, which is above everything. So, you know, behind everything that happens to us, there's an order unfolding. And when we have our hearts awake and a little bit open, we can sort of rise up and recognize, okay, what's the big picture here? That people, those people don't see it because they're reality structure is based on you know where they live and you know the kind of car they drive and how much money they got in the bank and 
you know, what they do on a day-to-day level and their security and their sense of self-identity is based on all these physical things you can touch and see. So their consciousness is really focused on, you know, what they touch and see. So if it doesn't come into their daily domain, they're not seeing it. And for a lot of people, you know, again, I go back to, you know, I'm a Kiwi born, you know, third generation farming family daughter, you know, like I grew up pretty grounded and um, innocent. You know, the people in this country, you know, I'm 62 years young and the people in this country who were born in the 60s and 70s had a pretty innocent, you know, beginning to life. The 80s, it all started getting more money oriented and business and then the 90s and onwards, it's been insane. That's my observation. (laughs) And so, you know, we've moved further and further away from wholeness and well-being as an orientation and more and more towards uh, a money-driven paradigm and business uh, organized cultures, you know, owning everything, including councils and governing systems now. So we're just a long way away from our innocent beginning. And the true nature of ourselves as people is that we are innocent we are divine we are like babies you know we're quite pure that's who we are at heart and yet experiences that we have along the way in our lives you know we we get these coverings around the heart and we we don't really necessarily identify ourselves as being that so we have hurts and we shut down and we cover up and we sort of move on based on the plan of our lives, you know, what we want to achieve and what we're, the goals and all that sort of thing. And if we're driven that way, you know, something interrupts that plan and we just get a bit annoyed for it for a while and then we just carry on back with that kind of orientation to life, like going after our plan, our goal, you know. And yet um, people who are more heart-based, they're aware of the relational context of life you know like who I am in relationship to who's in my community how is this situation affecting all the people Mm. you know and one of the um, sort of um, ways we can look at the health of a society is how do we take care of the sick the young and the elderly how do we care for these people that can't care for themselves so when we're not honoring the elders when we're not honoring the the well-being as a whole thing, um, we're off track. We're not honoring our wholeness. So for a long time, and I've watched this develop, so in, I started practicing in the mid-80s. So that's when we medicalized on happiness. So mm-hmm. prior to that, there was very few uh, medications for anxiety depression all that sort of thing they just those pills weren't didn't exist <laughs> and then you know now we have kind of made it normal that if someone's a little depressed or uptight they go and they they get something to relieve yeah. their their stress so that's a good indicator that the collective distress of humanity has sort of reached epidemic proportions 
that we can't manage our life without a little something to take the edge off it. Do you think part of that is an increase in the levels of anxiety, um, things like that, and or is it that people, it's like they rather than asking themselves, ooh, interesting, like why am I so angry or what's the behind the, what's behind the resentment or what's behind the sadness? So rather than diving into the source, they just want to like pop a pill? Yeah, and, and that's that's the culture that we've um, encouraged, you know, that, that culture has been normalized. So the popping the pill is, seems like the quick fix and listening to ourselves and delving into what's going on underneath is, is a slow burn. And we have to look at some stuff that might be hard to see. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the in our world today, we don't have much education about inner life. Our whole mainstream education system is based up on outer world, you know, like we study economics and we study science and we study maths and we study, um, you know, technology. So it's a, it's an all an outer uh, world focus. And now, you know, we're seeing the increase of the mindfulness movement, the yoga movement, uh, you know, eating good food, vegan, all of that. Like, so that's come around again. And so that was kicking off in the 70s. We're back doing it again, which is awesome. And so it really does, you know, suggest that there is this collective shift and awakening to how do we use our minds? You know, how do we uh, listen to our own psyche, listen to our own awareness? And learn how to steer that and learn how to relax the body if I'm uptight. I can do that for myself. So the self-empowerment movement, you know, the self-awareness movement, it's fully on the rise right now. And and that's the upside of all of this. You know, like when we're under extreme pressure, we we wake up. And people who want to wake up are waking up faster now than ever before is my observation. I heard a super cool term the other day. Um, Richard Barrett was talking about the term evolutionary intelligence and how when we're when we are in a state of fear or we're presented with challenge, you know, in order to survive and hopefully thrive, we do need to evolve. So I feel like, yeah, we are, and a lot of us are evolving by diving more into the reflection and taking, as you said, this broader view of things, um, which is amazing. And so there are so many benefits coming, like people being woken up, as you say. So you talked about some people being more, I think the word was open-hearted. Do you feel like most everyone can be open-hearted? Some people are more, I guess, like you said, focused on the things that they can see and touch. How can we all become more open-hearted? Or to rephrase, how can we connect to our heart and mind if we want to? Yeah, great question. Thank you. So um, I've spent a few years thinking about this. (laughs) And I said to someone this morning, I think I finally, you know, I feel like I've been stumbling in the dark for years and years. And I finally feel like I I can name what it is that I'm wanting to deeply understand for myself and to be able to share and and pass forward. And I've come to the understanding that uh, the heart is the home of awareness, you know. So awareness is like the sun in the sky. It's above everything and it can see everything. It's got the highest view. So it's got the highest perspective. So the heart's perspective is the highest perspective. It's expansive. It's allowing. It's accepting. It's all-seeing. 
And in contrast, the thinking mind is a contracted form of awareness. So the mind contracts, and in terms of imagery, the awareness is like the sun. It's open and expansive. And the mind, thinking mind, is more like a spot, like it's contracted and it needs to come down and in and focus. So the mind needs a focus. And the way that we train our minds from young ages, we go to school and we, we learn some things and we have, you know, this kind of structured time in our day where we go and explore how to think and we we direct the mind. So the mind's by nature, it's uh, it's endlessly creative. So if you point the mind at something that's interesting to think about, it'll just, you know, create all sorts of uh, realities around what it's looking at. So we have... Uh, mental health problems now because in my opinion we're just looking at too much stuff (laughs) you know like we've got this whole internet reality and um, you know uh, media and surfing webbing and all of that so the mind can be just pulling in so much stuff Mm. and then it's got to make sense of that so the mind's job is to make sense of information process information in order to arrive at an understanding so that's the thinking mind's role so it's like the manager and the analyst it wants answers whereas the heart's job which is the ruler of awareness it's just the observer it's like wow this is interesting it's it's above judgment so it's able to take a look at the whole situation and understand, you know, how all the bits go together and just observe it without needing to make something right or wrong. And most of us have been brainwashed by mainstream education to search for right, wrong, good, bad. So then we're polarizing. So we do this in our worlds, you know, we we look at the Ukraine and we look at what's happening in Iran and you know like and we go oh they're the goodies they're the baddies Mm -hmm. so we're we're just trained to polarize you know Trump's bad you know so we want to find the baddie and and make the baddie wrong and then when we have a you know focus on what's wrong we can we can feel like we've got it right but the reality is you know inside us all We've got good and evil. We've got truth and we've got not truth and we've got negative and positive. So we've got these polarities within us. And when we become more heart awake and aware, we can just see all that and just notice, oh, okay, my little shadow side's acting out today. It needs a little help to come into a fuller, healthier expression. How can I support it to do that? And in the world today, I I feel like moving into a more heart-based intelligence enables us to become aware of what can I do to nurture this situation, to nurture this person, this relationship, and, uh, you know, create some more balance around what's happening. How can I contribute to 
to the healing of this situation rather than makes make someone wrong and I'm right. You know, like um, it's like that's the, the old power paradigm that's falling over right now, the hierarchical right. power. Yippee. Do you, do you see that? Yeah. I mean, like we've heard of that about some systems breaking down. And in, in, in the intro, we talked about, you talked about, you know, the breakdown before the breakthrough. Uh, are you, what kind of, for those that don't really know what we're talking about, what kind of, I don't know if evidence is the right word, what kind of examples can you provide that like that type of thing is happening slowly but surely? Well, I think even the health, what we're, what's happening with healthcare right now? Right, so the systems are overrun. The services can't cater to the people that are requiring help. Mm-hmm. So more and more people are, you know, looking at well-being. Well-being is a trending thing, and people are recognizing I've got to do some more things to help myself. I can help my neighbor. I can help my family member. I can. Um, you know, share what I know with the people around me. And that's this thing where we can all be healers. So healing is like, you know, it's about becoming more whole. So when we've got a lot of pressure on us, like we have now in the world around us, our our splinters show up. We see where we're breaking down and we can see our family members breaking down. We can see our friends breaking down. And we know them as well as we do, so we can sort of honor them and accept them and and care for them and then also help share, well, you know, this is what helped me. Let me help you try this and see if it's going to help you. So we start to help each other. And I think that the the collective uh, shift that's really going on here that I see is that we're moving away from top-down power structure to more horizontal power structure, going back to more like tribe, community, extended family. Like the the services are not going to meet the needs of the volumes of people that need and have, you know, have needs for care. But within our own communities, we can sort of, you know, help each other. That's one. And um, I think in the politics, you know, again, there's this recognition that a lot of the leaders aren't that smart. (laughs) You know, like you can look at that and go, okay, is these world leaders, you know, some of these people are leading whole countries and we can see, well, actually, they don't seem to have the capacity to do that job. So am I going to rely on the leader to steer my life or am I going to step up and be a bit more of a leader of my own life? Mm-hmm. Because we have these uh, ways of being within us that are archetypal. You know, every person has an internal leader Every person has the right to govern their own life until recently. And the fact that we are, you know, losing some of these rights is a real challenge to each and every one of us to take that responsibility back. How do you want to lead your life today and this week and this month? How do you show up in your power and be responsible for your patch, 
and take control of what you can control. So in this tendency to externalize power and put it out into external authorities, we give our power away. And But some people did that willingly, meaning some people, I, I imagine it might have been a bit of a relief, like, oh, good, I don't need to make the decisions. I'll just, they, I don't know, do some people just like being told what to do? Whereas other people, it really triggered them and their response was to really lean into their own sovereignty. Do some people feel safety in, in that, in the increased levels of? Oh, 100%. You know, not, not everybody's a leader. Mm. You know, and some people have a, you know, internal leader in them that's really strong and they're like, yippee, you know, I love a challenge, off we go, can't wait. Whereas other people want someone else to take that role for them and to get them behind them and back them. You know, they say, this person's got a good idea, I'm going to support them. Mm-hmm. So in terms of archetypes, um, I play with these four archetypes which come from the fourfold way tradition by a, one of my teachers called Angelis Arian. And she talks about four archetypes. So these are common archetypes to all Indigenous people. So one is the warrior. So in contemporary terms, that's the leader. And the leader's role is to show up and choose to be present. So when we show up in our lives and be present with whatever it is and respond to whatever's coming towards us, we're being in a leadership position in our own life. If we are in a situation where um, the external authorities are, are taking the lead on something and and we want to fall in with that, then yes, we go along with that. That's, that's a wise thing to do because we're being led by someone who has that you know capacity to lead and makes wise choices and we can back them. And some people will be, you know, wanting to be right up the front with leaders. How can I help you and support you? And some people are right in the back row. They they don't have that capacity. It's not their natural lane. But that other person, they might be, for example, archetypal healer. So the way of the healer is to pay attention to what has heart and meaning. So when we pay attention to what is meaningful for us in any situation and what's important to us in any situation, we're tapping into our own wholeness. We're tapping into our capacity to, you know, take care of ourselves. And some people are more naturally oriented around healing and helping and caring. Some people more naturally oriented around leading. So these times are uh, helping reveal what's underneath you know, when we have these very stable times when everything about our world is constant, you know, we, we our community systems and structures are stable, the kids go to sports and we always do this on a Saturday at 2 o'clock and, you know, we go to work and Monday to Friday and it all looks the same and the people that I work with are doing the same thing and it's all very stabilizing. So a lot of these stabilizing influences have been removed. Mm-hmm. So then there's this... Uh, you know, wobbly energy. And then when people are in wobbly energy, you find out what's inside them. We find out what's inside us when we're wobbling. And we also get to, you know, experience more. What is important to me? One of the other archetypes is the um, the way of the visionary. And the way of the visionary is to be stay connected to our life dream and purpose. And the way that the visionary uh, stays connected is by telling the truth. 
So when we tell the truth to ourselves and each other about what we see, so this morning when this guy was telling me about, um, you know, his friend that had this big hole cut out of his head and, you know, has just had this tumor and da-da-da, I just said, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that in the clinic. Mm. I'm seeing a lot of people who are coming here showing me photos of their, you know, photos of somebody's shingles, which I can't stand. I'm a, you know, I'm better at a doctor role, not a nurse. I don't like blood. I don't like gore. But I see all these pictures, right? So I shared with him, oh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that. You know, and a lot of these people are um, having unexplained uh, situations from the last three years. What have we done differently in the last three years? We've had a whole lot of new medicines put into our body. So I'm telling the truth about that. I'm not blaming or judging. I'm just saying, here's what I'm seeing. So when we tell the truth to each other about what we see in our experience, we paint the picture of, of what's there. So we we make the vision of what reality is visible to ourselves and each other. When we look away and we avoid, we can be in denial. So a lot of people are looking away at this time because it's too hard to see. And the psychologists talk about this as cognitive dissonance which is a fancy term for not seeing. So not seeing and denial is a strategy that we all use to survive life. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the stuff that we have to look at, it's too hard to see, like it's too confronting. So we look away. And that's a choice. You know, you, you're choosing to show up here on reality radio to point out, hello, let's have a little reality check on our situation. Like, mm-hmm. let's take a look. Let's see. Let's go into it. But that's the you, thing. Some people might not know that they're looking away, right? Pardon? Some people might not know that they're looking away. That that's exactly denied. right. And, the, and a lot of people don't know they're looking away. So that's what I'm saying. That's the cognitive dissonance. Mm. So people are unaware, they can't see, and maybe they're just not destined to see. They're unaware that they're unaware. Correct. And we're all here for different purposes. You know, we're all here to evolve in different ways, and we're all coming in at different level of awareness, not higher or lower, but just different. Some of us are, you know, like really excited by this time. It's like, whoa, viva la revolution. Like things are shifting and changing at last. We've been waiting for this and we want to be part of it. And others are like, what revolution? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what you, <laughs> you just know, said like... is so important. You said maybe they're not meant to see. And that is such an, I think, such an open-hearted perspective. Um, and maybe that has, you know, helped you to to navigate this time. And it's a perspective I would love to embrace a little bit more. I would tend to be more, a bit more judgy about things, but you know, maybe, yeah, everyone is, everyone's on their own journey. And this is something I do believe, but I I do have to actually keep reminding myself so that I try to move out of the judge and move into the heart. Um, And I guess it's more around focusing or learning how to listen to ourselves instead of trying to get other people to listen to what we, we think. Or listen or or to see what we see so clearly, some people aren't yeah. meant to see. 
Yeah, that's it. And it's I, I think for communication to be effective, it's got to be served up in context. So in that situation this morning, this guy's been seeing me a few times. Mm-hmm. He knows me a little bit. Um, you know, he's presenting a medical picture for me to look at. Oh, what do you think of this? Mm-hmm. And he's coming to me for help today as part of our clinical appointment. And I'm going, actually, I've been seeing a lot of this. So I'm helping him see, mm-hmm. yep, this is true and you're not alone. And I wonder, did she have many vaccinations? Well, yes, yeah, she did. She's a hairdresser. She had to. I'm going, mm, okay. Right? So I'm just saying what I see, yes. but I'm not making him or her wrong. Yes. And that's when we get into trouble because then we create resistance and that polarizing thing. Whereas the heart side view is is rising up and just seeing, oh, okay, this is happening over here and I can see it could be happening because of this and that, but I don't know for sure, Mm -hmm. right? I haven't done the research on that particular person. I don't know for sure. So I'm just, you know, witnessing from a more observing place and that's the consciousness of heart. Yeah. Heart is like neutral, it's accepting, it's like this unconditional loving presence. She's like the queen of our being. She lives inside us and she's always wanting the best for us. And she's been with us since the moment we were born. So as we get to know this part of ourselves and we start to relate to her and connect with her, we feel more accepting of ourselves in our situations. And then we can pass that to others you know like it's easier to do that for others if we can do it for ourselves Mm -hmm. and if we go to the you know like why do we get into self-critic like again most of us have been heavily brainwashed to be thinking mind dominant so thinking mind loves right and wrong and it doesn't really like wrong (laughs) so you know like that can translate into judgment you know, you're wrong, you go over there, and I'm right, I'm going to be here on my really nice, high, pretty seat. Yeah. And, I mean, my I've got a story similar but different <laughs> yeah, to yours right. because I went to the dentist, and it was just a checkup, hygiene uh, checkup, and and she's like, oh, your teeth are really good. And I and I, I guess I wasn't really come from, coming from a uh, neutral space. Well, I don't know. I, I just said, oh, well, you know, I haven't – um oh, I said, no fluoride, please. And she's like, oh, that's fine. We'll give you the baking soda wash. And I said, actually, I haven't used fluoride for about eight years, including tap water. Um, I, and then I go, so there you go. <laughs> so that's me. I can't, you know, I'm not quite the, the. I'm more of, a, I guess, more of the sassy warrior than the the peaceful, um, but I'm learning. And then I went into the dentist afterwards and he commented, oh, your teeth are doing great. And I'm like, yeah. And no, I, and I don't, and I told, thought it would be right to tell him as well, because it was a different, you know, different room different person. That's, just, I, that, that's exactly it. I guess I'm just planting a seed, but I mean, I don't know. Some people will be like, oh, I'll just say nothing. And I thought, I just said, oh yeah. And I don't use fluoride and I don't use fluoride either. And he said, oh, but you probably have a good, you probably eat a good diet and have a good hygiene routine. I said, yeah. And I, I said, I just eat whatever I want when I want. That's what I said, which is true. I'm very intuitive with my eating, but <laughs> I guess I just, I kind of have this fire inside me to, I don't know, let people know that I don't know. Like it literally I've, I've haven't had fluoride for eight years and I don't have any more cavities than the average person. And I probably have, 
more intuition because my pineal gland is not calcified. But then I get all sassy about it. And I want to say, just saying at the end of the sentence. You want to say what at the end of the sentence? You know that phrase, just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. But well, and uh, I don't hear anything too overly judgmental about that. You're just (laughs) sharing your experience. You're enthusiastic about it. You're not making them wrong. You're just saying, yeah, this really works for me. And I think that's really encouraging. So if we go to the qualities of the heart, like one of the qualities is courage. Mm. When we're heart connected, you know, it's like. Well, of course, because courage is cour in French, which means heart. Exactly. So to encourage is a very powerful way of helping people come into their own courage. Like if they're not feeling it, you just kind of gently encouraging and boom. Up it comes. So these qualities are inside us. And I think when you um, share your experience, you know, and your light, like we were saying at the start of the interview, why are you doing this? You're, Mm. You're doing it to shine the light. So every one of us that shines brightly into the world right now and is sharing what works for us, we're actually helping the people who don't know, like you say, who haven't thought about another way, see another way, you know, another option for them. Because I feel like one of the dangers of this time is making the people who who don't see wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think one of the reasons people don't wake up is shame. People don't like getting it wrong. We've been judged for being wrong. So an important part of our... Um, coming back into alignment and balance in society and community is is just accepting. Like most of us are doing the best we can at any given time. Most medical professionals that I know are generally there doing it to serve others. And if they knew what they were doing, a lot of them would just be horrified. So it's that not knowing, not seeing it's it's a, a society disharmony, and it's really in our face right now. The abnormal, abnormalizing, no, what is it? Normalizing the abnormal is denial. So we've been normalizing all sorts of abnormal stuff for the last three decades. Mm-hmm. And so now we get to the situation where, boom, overnight, our rights to informed consent, our rights to alternative treatment, our rights to medical privacy, confidentiality, respect, boom, they just disappeared and no one noticed. So gently helping people into seeing is a very powerful way of being a warrior and a leader for this time, but not making them wrong. That's doing further harm. And that, I guess, is the key because it is about connecting the heart and the mind. And if we come from a place of an open heart, then it won't feel like judgment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with awareness, um, I mean, anxiety, we we touched on that at the beginning. I um, was introduced to the idea many years ago that anxiety is a quest for meaning. And at the time, I was about to open an acupuncture college. 
I was in my late 30s. I was living down in Christchurch. And I, I right before I kind of absolutely committed, I had a total freak out. I thought, oh, my God, can I do this? Like, I just want to do acupuncture. I never wanted to start a college. That's just the path that opened up. And I was having an absolute meltdown about it. And I went and saw one of my healing woman friends. And I said, look, I'm just super anxious about this. I, I, I don't think I can do it. And she said, well, it's healthy to be anxious. Anxiety is a quest for meaning. It's a search for meaning. And I was like, wow. And that idea of anxiety as a quest for meaning, its it's really been a compass for me across the years because I'm a naturally sensitive person. And I've come to understand that that's my extra awareness. You know, I have an awareness of what's going on for other people. I have an awareness of the undercurrents in a room and, you know, what might not be being said. So that's where I find a lot of um, super sensitive, highly aware people track. You know, they are running some anxiety, which I often describe as like wind on the water. So instead of the water being super calm, there's a little, you know, a little ripple in it. And oftentimes the anxious people are just reading and sensing what others are experiencing. And they're almost, you know, the sensor for them. It's, it's like that idea of the canary in the well or the canary in the mine, you know, like the canary gets out because the, the mine's going to blow up. So what's going on in the world right now, like we have this epidemic of anxiety and depression, and if we take a look at that in this context, it's like the anxious people are very aware things are off key, and they are uncomfortable and uneasy. We are. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I'm uncomfortable. I'm uneasy about this. It's like, yeah, it's, it's insane. That's why. So, you know, taking stuff to calm us down, mm -hmm. that's just pushing what we're sensing and feeling down. And there are other ways of doing that. And for me, a lot of what I do in my clinic every single day is talk to at least one person a day and say, you're okay. The world around you is insane. So mm -hmm. what you're feeling as upset and disturbed about you know, you're experiencing that inside you, that's a response to what you're seeing outside of you. A lot of what we're seeing outside us is way out of balance. And uh, feeling uptight about that, stressed, you know, overthinking it. You know, I often say to people, like, overthinking is anxiety. It's all it is. When we think too much, it's the mind not ordered. It's out of order. So trying to make order and understand things that are out of order is too hard for the mind. So the mind overthinks, it's trying to understand, that's its job. So when we don't understand, we can often try and think on it a little harder. Like there's got to be an answer, there's got to be an answer. In actual fact, no, there doesn't. There's a lot of nonsense with no answers. And in our mainstream culture, we're conditioned to think that we should have an answer to everything and that someone knows. If I don't know, someone above me will know and someone with more degrees will know and authority will know. But actually, a lot of, there's a lot of not knowing in life. That's the deeper truth. <laughs> and is part of the key being okay with the not knowing? 
Thank you for saying that because that's exactly what it is. You know, the in the mystery teachings, they're literally called that. You know, in many uh, ancient wisdom traditions, they refer to the mystery. Life is a mystery. There's a lot of not knowing in life. Like every day we go out into the world and there's full of surprises, things that we didn't anticipate and, you know, unexpected things that weren't on the plan. That is That is life. Life is a mystery and it's interactive. And so this notion that it's uh, prescripted and, um, you know, set up by other people, that is what we're all being seduced by at the moment. Like there's this horror going on on the other side of the world and we should all be aware of it. Yes, that's true, but there's always been horrors going on in other parts of the world. Why do we need to give our attention to it? when we are uneasy inside ourselves like why not give attention to nurturing our own ease you know well what a refreshing and beautiful new perspective for those that you know a lot of people label themselves right they're like i have anxiety and they really own that or they say oh my child is very anxious and we've looked at it as a weakness and what i'm hearing from you is you're really highlighting it as almost a gift those people are the super sensitives or they feel things a little more deeply. We as a society, instead of trying to numb them with maybe pills or some products, is that we want it's time to listen to those people. They're feeling the pulse of humanity. 100%. I love that you're saying that. And they are. And, you know, we're, we're dealing with things like social anxiety, for example. Well, what is that? It means you just feel a little bit awkward about communicating. Why are people feeling awkward about communicating? Because mostly we are communicating virtually. You know, we've lost the art of face-to-face communication. So, you know, I grew up in an era where there was no uh, cell phones. You know, in the first 30 years of my life, we didn't have them. So we had to communicate face-to-face and heart-to-heart, and we Mm. could sense and feel the person in the room in front of us. Now we can, you know, like lots of people will, you know, change a lifetime relationship and say, oh, I don't want to be with you anymore over a text. (laughs) You know, so like there's all this uh, disordered communication, and people are you know, they're, they don't know how to communicate about heartfelt things anymore. A lot of people don't know how to do that because they haven't seen it. It's not modeled. And um, we we need to come back to these simple things like, you know, be with each other, listen to each other, tell the truth, like tune into your own knowing in every single engagement what is important for that person, you know, when they're speaking, something's important, then you listen up, you give them your attention. And we have this divided attention, you know, we have diseases called attention deficit disorder, like, hello, (laughs) you know, like, we can't give attention to something. So it's deficient in attention. So there's a lot of labeling that, uh, orients us towards something's wrong. Mm. And um, what if we undo the label and go, okay, w- what is anxiety? What What is it? It's overthinking. So how do we attend to overthinking? We slow the thinking down. And then we don't have anxiety. 
So if we manage our thinking and learn to manage our own minds, like we're the one that are think, thinking, you know, my mind's and I'm in charge of it. And to suggest that other substances and people can take charge of our mind, it's crazy thinking to me. I think it's all our responsibilities to learn how to manage our own mind. And this uh, disharmony that we have that's so widespread right now, we can turn that around with some very basic things, like just learning to slow down the breathing automatically slows down thinking. Putting your attention in your body automatically slows down thinking. Um, stabilizing your blood sugar automatically stabilizes the hormones and the thinking. So there are so many basic things that we can all do to help balance our minds. And as a society, uh, this is more critical now than at any other time because, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of brainwashing. And uh, it's it's a dangerous situation. It is. And a lot of that brainwashing, I mean, there's a lot of information coming at us. And to be fair, a lot of us do go seeking information, like scrolling and consuming in that way. But I think some of us just absorb it. We just absorb it. And other people, it can be very overwhelming. Like you said, the brain, the mind just runs away with things. And so is part of that coming back to self is connecting with our heart and that can help the brain from not running away with all the potential outcomes that we're concerned about. Yeah, and, and understanding the difference between the heart mind, you know, so the heart mind as awareness, which, as I said in the beginning, it's, it's like the sun in the sky. It takes the highest point of view. It sees things from on high. It sees the big picture. And then thinking mind is more like a spotlight. Its job is to zero in on the details, go in and analyze and, you know, process the information and arrive at an understanding. So if the mind is trying to process and analyze too much information, it, it gets overwhelmed. So it's like us, you know, sitting down for lunch and spending two hours just continuously eating. We wouldn't do that. The body can't digest all that information, all that food rather. The same as with the mind. Like if we just let the mind consume and consume without discernment, the mind will stop being able to digest and process and then it gets muddled. So many people today have very muddled minds. They can't concentrate. They can't focus. They can't turn their mind off at night. That's why they can't sleep. So the solution is to order the mind, straighten it out a little bit. One of the most basic things to do is stop processing so much information, like turn the computer off, stop. I tell all my clients, you know, turn the computer off at seven at night, stop scrolling, stop net surfing, stop pulling all this information into your, your mind because, you know, at nighttime in Chinese medicine, we have different times of organ activity. So your conscious mind is really kind of low energy at seven, you know, seven to nine PM. So not a good time to be trying to, you know, think about stuff. You know, it's a more a time to, you know, make love, enjoy, have fun, 
be with friends, have your dinner, how's your day, you know, like have some cheerful, you know, uplifting, expanding kind of experience. Whereas heaps of people at the end of the day, they're, you know, taking more stuff in and tiring themselves out. So lots of people have mental problems because their mind's tired. It's overworked. So overthinking, the medical label for that is anxiety. Such a such a good reminder. You know, even last week I had my dance fit class. Some of my audience, my audience knows I am not a dance instructor, but I love dancing. It brings me so much joy. And I decided I was going to run a dance fit class. My kids thought I was joking. Um, and I made a playlist on Spotify <laughs> and I had eight people come and they paid me $10 each. It was so much fun. Awesome. And I and I came home and I thought, oh, I haven't been on tech, you know, other than music, listening to music, but I hadn't been on the tech for hours. And it was such a golden opportunity for me to just go straight to bed. But what did I do? I did get on and scrolled a little bit of Telegram. <laughs> so it's such a good yeah. reminder going, Nat, like you've just had two hours off the tech, like just go with it. Just literally do not yeah. go on the tech, like read my book. Yes. Do some journal journaling. Yes. Yeah. But not anyway. So good reminder. And Yes, for myself and anyone else who cares to take it on board. Yeah. Now, I'd love to ask you, Cameron, some of the questions yes. I ask all my guests. Mm -hmm. What is one thing you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Whatever that means to you. Okay. Well, uh, about maybe three months ago, I found myself getting really irritated and really angry. And my my darling partner was sort of kind of copying some of that. And then I realized this wasn't going to go away. I could realize that I was really trying to birth something new inside me. And um, so I just had to say to him, you know, like, can you go away for a while? <laughs> so um, luckily <laughs> we have Fano down in the South Island. And so I bought him a one-way ticket. And he said, well, how long? I said, well, I'm not too sure right now. And so, you know, after two weeks, I said, can I have another two weeks? And he said, okay, you know, okay. So after another one week of that, so three weeks in, I thought, actually, I really need a bigger chunk. So he went away for two months. And I needed to create the space for me. We're at a time in our lives when we can make that happen. And he's uh, fully supports what I'm trying to do in the world, which feels quite big for me right now. And I know that I just needed space for myself. So giving it to me without having a logical reason felt a little bit brave. And um, yeah, that was it. And from doing that, you know, I, I, I know that I've uh, come out of that a different person. And when he came back, you know, I was realizing, okay, I'm going to show up quite differently with my whānau now, like around speaking up about what I'm seeing with vax-injured people and um, urging people not to take any medicines. Like in the past, I've never done that because I think it's their choice. But now I'm really comfortable with recognizing we're poisoning people and I am very willing to stand up and speak that out. I, I gave a talk to a local businesswoman's gathering 
few days ago. There's 30 people there, and I found myself saying at the end, don't take that shit. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to take that, but it was just like, no, I, I cannot not speak about what's going on right now. And that feels quite brave for me because um, by nature I'm I'm more um, inclined to just let people go their own way, but I feel like it's a duty of care to say to people, this is not caring, this is poison. Mm. That is very courageous of you. And in this environment, which definitely has softened since a few years ago, um, it is a little safer, but it is still a little bit scary to speak your truth, especially like that. So I commend you. And also I commend your partner, <laughs> you for asking for the space, him for being okay <laughs> with it. Um, and I am excited to see what you, what you, you know, what you're bringing to the world. And I know you're bringing, you've already brought amazing things and I'm excited to see what's next. What is mm. on your bucket list? Is there anything specific that you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime? Wow, there's there's tons of stuff, but actually, like a really practical thing for me right now is I self-published a book last year, and I've run two hundred copies. It's been really well received, and it's written as a guide for this time. So it's called Heartfelt Living: An Ancient Wisdom Guide for Healing and Spiritual Awakening, and it's really speaking to this shift in consciousness and a and an opening and speaking to the situation that we're all in in the world right now and i would love to get a publisher to to take this book and uh yeah help me take it to the world okay if anyone knows anyone who can help in that department of publishing getting a book out to the world at a time when we need it more than ever for heartfelt living um, I know I saw your book the other day when we had the amazing opportunity to connect in real life, which was so beautiful. Um, what is coming up for you in the next six months and how can people follow you? How can they find you? How can they buy the book? Uh, well, I've got um, I've got this course, which I've just put up. I was just doing a couple more threads. By the time this is aired, it should be all good to go. And that is called Anxiety is a Quest for Meaning. So I put that up. It's an online course and it's a free resource for people to, you know, reframe anxiety and take a look at it as in the light of extra awareness and how to manage that, being extra aware. And so that's a, an introduction to the other courses that I do. So for a while I was, um, again, as a response to this time, I was doing group coaching courses online, you know, wanting to empower people who are well-being coaches, managers, leaders, teachers, yogis, with some language for, you know, heart-mind connections and how to um, share these teachings. Because I feel that we're in this hard awakening right now, like the the things that are happening that are so intense, they are, you know, really knocking on our doors. Did you and say hard awakening or heart awakening? Heart, heart. Okay, thank you. And it is hard. It's really intense. It's that so Kiwi accent. Sometimes of, it gets me. Yeah, it's it's really intense. There's a lot of emotion surfacing for people because so much of the stuff that we've held down is just bubbling up right now. And, you know, I did an event the other night at a yoga studio and I just said to all the people there, I said, possibly you're going to have some stirrings after this because what I'm seeing in the clinic is people are coming and the lid's off. Like anything that was sort of held down and held in, 
you know, years ago we might work with people for a year to get to their deep territory. Now, within five minutes, people come to the clinic. First time I've ever seen them and they're telling me about their deepest stuff because it's all coming up. And that's awesome because it's, you know, when we have a health crisis and we're having a collective one right now, it brings the truth up. And the thing that I know from years of practice is people don't have much language for their inner life. That's what my teachings are all about, like language for what goes on inside us. And when we have a bit more language, we can share who we are. We can share the truth of what's going on for us. We can connect more meaningfully deeply with the people around us and and really say what is so for us, speak our truth. And indigenous traditions, you know, the, the visionary archetype is the, you know, to tell the truth without blame or judgment. So making our truth visible is a very, very powerful way of claiming our authentic self. And the voice is the the link between the heart and mind. So when we speak with clarity, when we sing with clarity, we connect the heart and mind and we make ourselves feel stronger. You know, when we're more stronger hearted, we feel more authentic. We're courageous about asking for what we need and honoring what we need and what we know we need deep down. So deep down, we know what's important to us. It's instinctive. But if we're thinking too much, the mind's too busy consuming, you know, what's on Facebook today? See that on Instagram? You know, it's just like, it's so busy consuming. It doesn't have time to be aware of that little quiet voice, which is all the time saying, hey, psst, hey, you really need some time alone. Psst, hey, you really need some time alone. So I was getting that. And fortunately, I, I listened to it and it, giving that to me, it's, it's completely shifted how I'm showing up in the world right now. So we know what we need for ourselves and it's about learning to tune into that knowing and live from that place. We are learning how to do that. How do we find you on Instagram website? Yeah, my website is my name, camerontukapua.com. Um, I keep trying to do social media, but <laughs> I'm not so good at it. I don't think you need to. People just just a place that people can maybe can they buy your book? Is it somewhere where they can go and it's purchase on it Amazon? Book? Okay, it's on Amazon, uh, and I really would love to get more print copies. And I'm sure there's a publisher out there listening right now, so please contact me. Mm. Love to work with you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's also, I, I've audio recorded it as well. So I'm using, I didn't put the audio version up. I wait till the publisher comes. Um, but I do have audio tracks from the book that are clipped onto all my online courses. So I have quite a few online courses that are, you know, really designed to bring this language to life because I feel that this is social emotional language which is missing. People would love to connect. They'd love to be more connected to themselves, their family, their friends, to be able to speak their truth. But knowing how to do that and having some frameworks for, you know, our true nature, unless you've been to yoga or, you know, you've studied some philosophies or things like that, like who knows who they are deep down? Like how do, who shows us how to access that and, um, you know, communicate that? 
Most of us haven't had much guidance around that. And lucky for me, I found Chinese medicine age 21, so I was pretty young. And then um, alongside, I studied yoga. And then alongside that, I've been studying indigenous wisdom teachings. So my teachings pull from those three traditions. They're all ancient, they're time-tested, and best of all, they're simple. Like this world and the problems seem complex, but the solutions are very simple. Mm. I think that is going to be music to our ears. You guys can find Cameron, Cameron Tukapua. I'm going to spell it for you. C-A-M-E-R-O-N-T-U-K-A-P-U-A.com. Yes. Yep. That's it. Brilliant. And we will put the link also on the replay page, um, which is going to be on realitycheck.radio. And you can find the links there if you're listening to the replay. Now, I would just love to know, is there anything else you want to share with our beautiful audience before we wrap things up? Yeah, I'd like to uh, encourage everybody to be aware that, you know, at some level, what's going on right now is meant to be. We're experiencing a breakdown in order to, you know, shift to a massive breakthrough. Things in nature do that. So, you know, trees fall and make compost and compost the ground and new plants grow. So we're in a, a very exciting time of rapid transformation. We've never known a time like this before. And to trust and know that you're in the right place, the people you're with are the people you need to be with, whatever's happening is what needs to happen. And to just show up, you know, show up to your day, tell the truth, um, you know, Pay attention to what's important to you and the people around you and connect by by listening and, you know, cups of tea and just take your time, slow down. Oftentimes when we're going through a crisis, we can feel like we have to speed up to match the crisis, but it's the opposite. You know, integration and synthesizing a shift it, it takes the longest time. So allowing ourselves space and time to to be is really important right now. And to know that, you know, behind all of this, there's a grand plan. We're all in it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at some level, it's it's unfolding as it needs to be. So I often start my, my classes and sessions with a, a mantra. And I'm going to close the session with this now. And, and the words to this mantra literally mean this is perfect, that is perfect. If you take the perfect from the perfect, only the perfect remains. So at some level, all is in order, all is well, and all is one. And when we hold that awareness in our own experience, in our own day, in our own families, in our own communities, we start to create that and, and pull that into being. Whoa. Whoa. Orna Madaya Orna Meva Vasis Yate Vasis Yate oh, 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 oh. 
Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamuda Chayate Well, I hope you enjoyed that long and insightful interview with Cameron Tukapua where we discussed sovereignty, connecting the heart and mind. You can learn more about Cameron. It's CameronTukapua.com. And I think we've spelled that for you before, but Cameron and then T-U-K-A-P-U-A.com or send us a message. We can send you the link. We discussed a wide range of things around this topic. And we discussed the inner world and the outer world. We talked about how love is the supreme ruler and and moving towards a unity consciousness. That's what I'm really hoping for. And I feel like we slowly but surely are moving in that direction. And I love that concept, of course, of anxiety is a quest for meaning. She really helped us to reframe anxiety. And I thought that was so interesting. And that's what I love to do, bring slightly different viewpoints to the table for discussion. Would love to hear your thoughts on that. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Cameron is absolutely amazing. Um, she didn't mention this, but she does have a retreat coming up up in um, in Fungaray. She's already sold most of the spots already, but there's one in January, one in Feb. Um, and she's incredible. And you can also get her book. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. And for my next interview, we're going all the way to Australia. I'm going to be talking to my friend Michaelena Knight all about expanding your evolutionary potential. Welcome, Michaelena. Thank you very much. I'm just a little bit excited. I'm so excited. By the number one, am I saying your name properly? Yes, that's great. People often say Michaela, and I just smile at them and, and just let them have that because... <laughs> You know what it's like when someone says, oh, you've been saying my name wrong all this time. I'm so glad I got it right. And I love that name. It's very cool. Um, so good to have you here. And for those of you that haven't heard of or you haven't met Michaelena before, she is an expansion coach, an evolutionary astrologer and business mentor with over 13 years of study and experience in personal transformation, the spiritual sciences and energy work and business. Her sacred work is a platform for women who have recognize their vision runs deeper and their calling is higher. Her mission for the leaders and who are ready to evolve their business into a multidimensional empire that can impact the world in significant ways. Oh, you sound like my type of person. Michelena unites spirituality with business for women who want to become evolutionary entrepreneurs, but aren't willing to sacrifice their success doing it. If you want to strengthen your transmissions, deepen your transformations and make money sacred, she can show you the way. Ooh, very intriguing. I like that bio. It takes a it takes a while to write a bio that you can sit back and think, yeah, that that's great. And it's been many years. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We are all constantly evolving, as you said, and you need to make sure that your introduction or your bio is a reflection of the current you. It's true, and it's it can be difficult to see yourself. Uh, in that simplicity that it takes to write a good bio. <laughs> it, it's tempting to overstuff it with all of this useless information, but uh, 
yeah, it's it, it's an art to bring it back to have power and yet really describe what you do. And what is relevant right now. I want to start yes. things off by thanking you. I want to thank you for all of the incredible posts that you've been writing. I mean, you and I have known each other through the world of doTERRA for, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. But specifically, I wanted to commend you for the posts that you've written over the past three years of craziness and just a voice of wisdom and a voice of raw honesty um, and courage that I saw coming from you. How has it been for you the last three years? And of course, in Australia, if you want to provide any insight, like what's it been like over there? Well, I, I actually limit my posting and have so much over the last three to four years because of uh, the challenges of social media. There's that question of, is it worth this? And how relevant is this? And how is it going to impact my entire life? So I, my, um, yeah, my, my heart floods a little to receive that beautiful compliment. Mm. But I've also held back a lot. And I have moments where I'm a bit like, well, I should have spoken up more. There's a lot of uh, challenges, I think, all over the world. And Australia, I think we've been a little more sheltered from that compared to other places in the world, at least where I am. But that also could be because we make alternative choices and we have very strong boundaries on that. So it's it's difficult to to really define if you're a person who makes alternative decisions mm -hmm. and stays away from everyone else who has gone a bit crazy with social public government agendas. Mm. So have you found for yourself, you know, because I know that with some of my friends, some people were quite vocal and I would consider myself moderately vocal, although still mm, very intentional with the way that I did or did not say things on social. But I mean, some of my friends just didn't even go there, meaning they were more focused on. And I think this is really important, um, living life in, in, a, in a good way, you know, living in alignment, you know, focusing on the energy they're putting out to the world, not getting too um, sucked up in or um, stressed about what is going on in the world, in the bigger picture. And I'm kind of in between those things. Like, I, I'm actually really good at just living my life. But for me, I still feel this need is quite a strong word, but I'm going to say it, need or desire to kind of know what's going on rightly or wrongly. Where did you fall into that? I kind of sit in the center of everywhere, leaning to whichever way, depending on what topic I am looking at. But everyone has been really vocal about health and things that are put in our bodies over the last three years, but I've actually been there. I started studying my degree in naturopathy in 2010. And when I found out that my epilepsy was caused by uh, vaccines, I started getting very vocal. And we went on a, a big journey with research and getting studies and, and all sorts of things. So by the time that the last few years happened, it was I'd, I'd done my time in that area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was just really firm on my decisions. I was very firm on my opinions. And if someone came to me in combat, I stand my ground and I can fight back. That's all that Aries fight in me. I just didn't go looking for the fights at this point in time, which is not usually my style. <laughs> but as I said, I'd done it. I was yeah. just crazy to sit back and watch the world collapsing as it did. Yes. 
Collapsing, mm-hmm. but awakening. I mean, so there will be a lot of people, myself included, who were fully into vaccines all the way through, like not a problem. Um, until I started reflecting on, huh, that's interesting. My son went bald six months after the flu jab. Huh. When I got his medical records, darn it, he got a double dose of MMR when he was a baby by mistake. You know, so, what? okay. Before the COVID thing, I was like, never even thought about it, honestly. Um, and now I have 180 on that. I am like, never, ever in a million years for a million dollars could I ever be co- coerced to have another vaccine of any type. So there's a lot of people like me that have really just done the the 180. Um, and then there's people like you, you were already on that path. Yeah. I mean, my son hasn't been vaccinated at all because of what happened to me. And like I've had varying opinions. People have been really accepting. Others have been really upset and get the impression that they want to keep their kids away from my kid. It's not something that we've gone out there to publicly shout out to the mm-hmm. world. Um, although I stand proud in the decision we've made. People say you can have trouble with schools. We never have. Like all of the problems people claimed we would have, we didn't have any of them. He's been around some of these illnesses that, he would have been protected from. Uh, he's never been on antibiotics and he's 11 years old. Okay. He only went to the doctor for the first time about six months ago and that was just to get his name on the books. So, yeah, we we have not been convinced that our child has ever needed one. If any, he's thrived because he yeah. hasn't had them. And so we went into COVID with very, very firm opinions and boundaries on what we were we wouldn't wouldn't do and luckily we had a beautiful very abundant stream of income coming in so we weren't financially impacted by mm. restrictions that were put in place but we would have just accepted a reduction in lifestyle to avoid this because once I've made up my mind it's very very difficult to shift it yeah. just so you know, everyone like you've got to be pretty convincing and uh, yeah I had bad bad vibes from uh, this whole thing from the moment I became aware of it. It was February 2020. I think Mm -hmm. things started going down. Mm. To look at it from a broader perspective, I think, you know, if you're a person like you, and there'll be a lot of people out there who are in this boat, who, who, who is very grounded in who you are, you know, if you're a person who knows, you know, who you are, what you stand for, what you will not stand for, you know what I mean? Like you'll get in the ring if you need to on certain issues, but you're not going to go, you know, living in there. Um, I think that, you know, that is amazing. I think there are a lot of people who realized that they don't really know what they stand for and they don't, they've just been kind of doing a little bit of what they were told maybe their whole life or recently. And I think there will be a lot of people realizing those things and hopefully revisiting or re um, connecting with what they are actually about and what they do stand for and what they won't tolerate going forward. I would, I'm hopeful on that. Yeah. I think what's happened is that our natural cadence of society, like just do the things you're supposed to do, just go along the path that you're supposed to go along to. That's it doing that without question because it's always been done and your parents have done that, your grandparents have done that, everyone's just following the same cycles, which isn't always a bad thing. But what's happened in the last three, four years has created some, yeah, disruption. And people, a lot more people have stopped going, huh, 
is this really how I want to be living my life? Should I be just doing this without question? Should there be more to know about this? I think it's it's got a lot of people asking questions that they never have or people questioning their life and their direction in a way they never have. It's as challenging as it has been and I do recognise that we have had things a lot better here I think it's it's caused people to stop and reflect and all right what is it I'm actually doing in this life Mm -hmm. what is it that I want to be doing and uh, yeah I think the governments have done quite a bit of damage because vaccine uptake is dropping significantly so while they thought they could uh Anyway, yeah, that's going to get a bit political if I keep going down that path. No, I agree with you. And that's like what Mm. I was saying about the 180. There'll be a lot of people Mm. who, you know, we're not just hesitant. We're defiantly opposed now. (laughs) Yeah, and that's where I think that the governments didn't predict the kind of damage they were doing, trying to make the money, trying to push these um, treatments on people. Because it's not even just about the vaccines. It's about, well, how can I support myself naturally? How can I move away from the medical industry? Mm-hmm. How can I treat this thing without all of these drugs that I've been told to take? So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of regret from the the leaders. Oh, yeah, the leaders um, who have been trying to decide what we should be doing with our lives. Yeah, I'm just well, that person who has always said, nope. I'm trying not to speak here, but um, it's difficult. I was like, no, I will not be told what to do. I want to make my own mind up. I'm a detective. I go in search of answers. I look beneath the layers. I am very good at creating and following trails on Google. And even if I don't have the right questions to ask, I will just Google what I can until I go, okay, here's the thing I need to type in. So I'm pretty relentless in the pursuit of truth and reality. Mm. I love that about you. And a lot of people aren't, you know, they're like, ah, you know, I can't be bothered like looking it up. I'm sure it's fine. Why would they promote it if it wasn't? And that's, that's fine. I'd love to move on um, to really dive into this topic of evolutionary potential. And I love that in your bio that you're an expansion coach. I think that's amazing. So let's talk about what do you mean by evolutionary potential? What is that? How can we get some? (laughs) It's such a big concept to to narrow down into one sentence and how I want to describe it shifts depending on who I'm speaking to and the circumstances I'm in. But for my whole life, I have sensed that I came to this world with big work to do, big vision, big message. I grew up in very what I consider a small place in Tasmania And I just knew I didn't belong there. Mm. So even without being conscious of it, I've been on this mission to really uncover what is it I'm capable of? What am I designed to create? What am I here to do? How am I here to do it? What powers do I have that have been undiscovered? Like what magic exists below the surface, like the deepest aspects of my core? And my, my belief is that we all come to this earth into this life with this evolutionary potential that we may or may not discover. And that is what we use to create our life and our legacy. We can avoid that. We can move away from that. We can close ourselves into little boxes, wrap trauma around ourselves till we can't move, or we can 
go on a spiritual quest to really discover who we are and what we're capable of, not just at the surface, but in the deepest, darkest, most powerful parts of us at our core. So we're all capable of so much more than we realize. Even those who are really in that journey of empowerment, we know, we, we move forward with that, that feeling that there is more, more, more. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot to say on that topic of more as well. We've been told that we shouldn't want more, mm. but those who want to feel that calling will go in search of more. I do feel like more and more people, I because those questions you were asking yourself, I'm like, I have asked myself those questions as long as I can remember. I think more and more people are starting to ask those questions. I love how you talk about evolutionary potential. We So much synergy. I talk about IP, which is impact potential, uh, and the potential we have, each person and everyone does, to have extraordinary impact in the world. Um, but I think more and more people are starting to ask them, you know, ask that question, what am I here for? What positive impact can I have in the world? Um, and it's exciting. It's an exciting time, even though it's a chaotic time. Do you agree? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, so much chaos. I mean, I, I just look at all the things happening in the world as a symptom of something that is inherently wrong with society and wrong within us. And if we just keep going down these crazy paths and really nurturing disconnect and attachment and distortion and delusion, things are going to get a lot worse. But I feel like what really we're craving is that, that connection, that alignment, that access to our truth. So many humans are locked out of themselves. Mm-hmm. And even those who are claiming to set people free are actually pushing people into places of pain and trauma. Mm-hmm. It's one thing I cannot stand about this world right now is that uh, women are saying, oh, I'm empowering you because look how disempowered you are. I don't accept that. Like telling someone they're disempowered and oppressed to write, to elevate them, that's that's just, that's wrong on so many levels. So I get fired up about what it really is to access those evolutionary potentials, the things that our soul brought us here to do and create and achieve. And I also notice there's a lot of judgment on what people want and desire. There's a lot of even judgment. I I talk a lot about women because I'm a woman and I work with women, but the the determination to take us to a different place, disregarding beautiful aspects of life like motherhood and to become career women. I feel like I'm getting a bit off track here, but I, I'm going to jump in. I remember a post yeah. you did like about, I don't know, let's say a month or, ago or something. And it was around like, hey, is anyone else sick of hearing about these, you know, earn six figures, blah, blah, like the usual business marketing message. Like we've, we've outgrown that. Haven't we evolved past it? And I love that post. Can you, can you riff on that? Oh, I just, I think that, what do I, where do I want to start with this? That Oh, there's so many ways, so many layers to this. So I think there's a lot of people out there who desperately want attention for and to be recognized rather. Let's use that term. It's a it's a little less um 
yeah, it's, it's, it's a little less uh, fructious. Um, but if people want to be recognized and there's trends, you will see yourself like on in the world of online business and coaching, there are trends. People just gravitate towards immediately. Like the blueprint, right? Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> the formulas and yeah. the rules. And suddenly everyone seems to gravitate to this one thing that seems to work for that one person. And then the next year, everyone's teaching it and charging thousands of dollars for programs on it. And I think that that has been a way to grab people's attention. Look how much money I can make because, oh, so many, so many lies to this as well. It's like money is a catalyst or is seen as a way to fulfill unmet needs. And uh, yeah, it's someone, I've seen people pay thousands of dollars for programs based on you can make this money by doing this eight-week experience with me. So, of course, everyone jumps on, in, runs into that current and it's working, it's working until we're all like, I'm so sick of this. Mm-hmm. Can we have some depth? Can we have some substance? So that's where I was at. It's like I don't care about six figures. Like, uh, uh, well, that's, that's not, I, I am, I've got lots of Taurus in me. I want money. I want to be wealthy. I want luxury. But to just reduce it down to a number of Ks, I, I think we're moving into a place where people are just kind of done with all these false promises that happen in the business world. Mm, there's a lot of them. One of the things I'm noticing and moving more towards, well, I've always been about it. I've always talked about co-opetition versus competition. And I, even my coaching club, I recently re-evolved it to be a collaborations club. And that feels so in alignment for me. That is absolutely what I do. Of course, I love coaching people and I'm happy to coach them around the visibility opportunities and the collaborations that we create. But for me, it's like bringing people together for connection, but to therefore then collaborate on like an online course that they might do together or retreat that they might run together. That lights my fire. And I feel like a lot of women are moving more towards that collaborate. They're just craving the collaboration. And one of the women said, you know, individually we are powerful, but when we collaborate, we're potent. And I'm I was not like, great at collaborating. I love that. You're not? <laughs> no, no. Oh, it, it depends. I like, got- I want to do it my way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've got a lot of Aries fire. I've got a, a triple. I want to talk basement. about your about the astrology in a moment. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So Aries are known as competitive, <laughs> as fiery, as intolerant, and uh, yeah, that's some of the shadow patterns of of that sign. So uh, in the esoteric astrology teachings, I've just been learning. William Meader, who's incredible, he describes Aries as like, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave myself there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, yeah, I, I do. It's like, okay, here's, here's a place where no one's going. This is where we should be going. I'll yeah. go here. And then people will see how great that is and they'll move in that direction as well. I kind of felt like I did that. In but I got to jump in. That is also manifesting generator. You know, like, you know, just you do you. You are here to light up by doing what you love and people will see how radiant and amazing and then they'll want to do it. You're not necessarily here to tell them what to do. So, I mean, it's, you made it sound, you know, you were like, I don't, I'm not really good at playing with other people. It's like, you just do what lights you up and what you're here for. And then other people will be inspired to do that for themselves, which is exciting. Yeah. So I, I can work with other people, but uh, trying to make decisions in groups and things. I'm that person who's sitting there going, it doesn't, it's not going to work that way. Or I know better. I know better. <laughs> Listen to me. 
<laughs> Can I ask you, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to, um, in terms of astrology. So I'm a Libra and I don't know a lot about astrology. I know they talk about the balance and whatever. Um, I don't know. Any comments? Libra is, uh, well, I think for all of the astrological teachings out there, they're a bit mundane. I talk, I talk about mundane astrology, which is where most of us start and which is why we don't get excited about it. But right. Libra, it's not just about harmony and balance. It's what it takes to actually get your relationships, the world to balance. And this is why I call Libra uh, the archetype of the mediator at the human level, but it's the archetype of the liberator Ooh, at the soul that level. That sounds better. Yeah, because Libra will get in there and liberate people of injustices and release others from the things that keep them trapped in imbalance and in chaos and conflict. So, yeah, there's so much more to astrology than what people see out there mm-hmm. in the world. The same stuff circulating on social media every year, every Mercury retrograde, everything that happens in the astrology worlds is is just a repeat of what people said six months ago, 12 months ago. So, Astrologically, mm-hmm. in your view, what... Is there anything we should be aware of at the moment currently? And as we record this, we are literally going to put it out in about a week. So let's just say, um, you know, late November. What are we, um, so anything we should be aware of? Any astrology tips? Well, I've I've just been writing the uh, guide that I'll be sharing in a few weeks uh, for next year's astrology. And we have got some really big ones. Uh, the eclipses this year were, wow, powerful, powerful. So we had an Aries eclipse earlier this year, solar eclipse, and we've got another Aries eclipse coming up next year. So we are just in this big journey of self-discovery, of like really unlocking those inner potentials, of the the recalibration of our identity. So from that spiritual, personal perspective, like we're in that right now. So yeah, I mean, there's so much to, to explore around that, but I feel like that's probably the most important one for those who are really in action to do big things in their life. Now is that time to be asking those questions. Who am I? What do I want to do? What am I ready to do? What am I willing to do? What am I open for? All those questions. It's very much about I right now because it's the I that leads to the and we. Mm. Okay. So for our listeners, we would love to know, ask yourself these questions. What am I ready to do? What am I willing to do? What am I here for? You can send us a text if you want to share or just let us know what's resonating for, for you from what we've discussed so far as we talk about expanding your evolutionary potential. I'm talking to Michelena Knight, and you can send us a text, 2057 on the text, or if email is more your vibe, inbox at realitycheck.radio. What I do, if you guys don't know, is I usually read out some of the messages from my audience at the start of my show. Um, so if you catch us pretty much at 10 o'clock on the Friday, you're going to hear some of the messages read out. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the evolutionary potential. Are you able to share any specific, I don't know, exercises or strategies? I'm not sure if that's the right word, um, uh, but anything that if someone's sitting here going, well, I really do want to expand more into my evolutionary potential, like how do I even get that ball rolling? What would you suggest? Well, it's, 
There's a two-part process with this. I mean, there's many layers. I talk about layers and dimensions all the time, but there's really the two-part process. There's the inner work and the external action. And we need those inner shifts to be able to create what we want in the external world. Everything we have in our external world comes from how we feel, what we think, uh, and our drives from within. So I... I offer a model that I've been taught from the earliest days when I was studying occult and esoteric teachings is as I think, so I feel, then I act. Like everything that we do begins with a thought. So we need to learn to become the observers of our thoughts, of our impulses, of our patterns, and being able to look back and go, is this who I want to be? Is this what I want to do? As I think there is an interesting dynamic in the world where it's just own who you are be okay with that you're everything's fine you don't need to apologize for that and that is actually trapping us in our own shadow patterns because we're being told this is good this is who you are be okay with that but at the same time we have the world reducing us into diagnosis of trauma to, to keep us stuck. So there's this dynamic of own who you are, even those parts of you that you don't like, but you're like this because you are so traumatized by the things that happened to you when you're a child. So this is about actually having an honest expression of yourself. Like, is this how I want to show up in the world? Is this who I want to be? is this the effect that I want to have on people? And then start working through those different dimensions of what is keeping you stuck, your obstacles, your emotional uh, debris, the the wounds, the, the beliefs, all of those things start coming off when you start aiming yourself towards a greater, more fulfilling life. So I always say business is uh, the most uh, powerful spiritual journey because the moment you decide you want something more, you want to have success, up comes all the things that are blocking your journey. So it's it's really about looking at what's coming up each day mm-hmm. and like facing it, not just running away from it. I like to run away. I, I had to do something recently where I had to face some stuff that I didn't like very much. But this is where that courage comes in the strongest is actually looking at yourself and going, is this me? Is this who I want to be? That's that's the hardest thing, looking at your own obsidian mirror. <laughs> it's tough. Mm. But not getting stuck in it and not residing, well, that's just who I am and that's how it is. Like, we, Do we have the power to shift how we show up and who we are? Oh, absolutely. But this is where the detective comes in, getting down to the roots of the roots. Oh. The world is a bit obsessed with the shadow work right now. I think there's a lot of women, particularly women in the coaching and healing industry who focus on the trauma and the shadows and the pain. The challenge with that is going down and down and down and down into your own um, darkness, shadow, is that we, we just keep finding more, more and more and more. Whereas one of the astrology um, guides that I follow, she says that if you focus on the positive traits, the negative ones tend to disappear. So I like both of those concepts. Mm -hmm. 
actually facing the things that are coming up at the time, but not going in and going looking for them. So if you are aiming for growth, things will come up to meet you. You don't need to give up your entire life to go in search of the things that may or may not be keeping you stuck at this point in time. So if you're willing to grow, if you're willing to cross your edges, then you will meet the things Mm -hmm. that are coming up that are blocking you. And this is where the positive traits come in. It's like, well, all right, I am throwing massive tantrums right now. So I'm good at that. All that air is in me. Are these massive tantrums? I'm being really aggressive and I am moving into combat with everyone I know. What is that masking? Mm. There's a passion there. What is this passion for? Like, How is it being expressed? Is it being expressed in really supportive, helpful ways? And that's where the shift can happen. It's not going, oh, I feel this way. I'm such a bad person. It's going, all right, what is this? in a powerful expression, empowered expression versus that uh, one of pain and limitation. So really taking that stance of like inquiry and curiosity rather than judgment, like, oh gosh, I shouldn't get angry. Here I go again, losing my, you know, (laughs) throwing my toys. It's like, huh, interesting. I'm doing it again. What is that about what's behind it? Are you asking those types of questions? Yeah, I think it's it's not so much I shouldn't be getting angry. It's more like why am I getting angry? Yeah. And how did this make me so angry? Because uh, I, I was listening to a lecture on someone talking about the why. Why, why, why? And I used to be very passionate about the why. Why does this happen? Why? But she was describing that why is a dead-end question because having a why is not actually the catalyst for change. Like well, how did I get there? how is this happening? Then you can trace it back and change it from its origin. So I just like that. I thought that I would throw that in there. It's like, how did this make me so angry? It's like, this person did this. I I use the example of husband leaving his boots on the floor. You're just coming in, kicking his shoes off in the middle of the floor. You've just cleaned it and something splits inside you and you just want to unleash. (laughs) And actually tracing that back and going, I feel like I'm being rejected right now. He's rejecting my my needs. He doesn't care about me right now because he didn't consider that I cleaned the house today. We make these experiences mean so very much when actually he's tired, he just kicked his shoes off and wasn't even thinking about us in that moment. So, yeah, we make things so complex when if we just asked a question, everything would just, fall away and we'd be over it in three seconds. Mm. Expression is so interesting. I was listening to something recently and they were talking about self-expression. I think this was Richard Barrett as well, who talks about um, evolutionary intelligence. And he was talking about how women specifically were really good at sacrificing our self-expression, which might mean, you know, speaking our truth or whatever. But in his context, it was talking about by saying what we need. And you remember when the kids are young, we put ourselves last, like under the dog in terms of priority when they're little, right? And then as they grow older, well, mine are in the teen ages. You know, my daughter is 17 today. So, and as they get older, you know, and then we've got the ailing parents. We're more in that kind of sandwich stage where once again, we're kind of not putting our needs priority. And he was saying, you know, woman, here's the thing. If we, if you continue to sacrifice your self-expression, you are inviting health problems in the form of thyroid issues and breast cancer. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I think men and women both have ways of masking things. Men are a lot more aggressive. That doesn't necessarily mean violent, but aggressive. And women are a lot more emotional. We're just wired that way. And uh, Jordan Peterson talks about the difference between the way males and females Mm -hmm. cope with their, their anger and frustrations and energy. And he talks about how women are a lot more agreeable. We've got a, a lot more, we're inclined to try and be kind versus just tell it like it is and confront people and say what we See, mean. See, I have a lot of masculine energy, so my natural state is all those man things you're talking about. Mm. Yeah, it's. I, I see it as more feminine masculine versus yeah. male female. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and those that masculine energy is a lot more direct, like, they will do whatever that it takes to get out there and get what they need. They're more likely to anyway. Whereas women, even those who claim they're empowered, they just are like, oh, I've got to be kind. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Whereas, yeah, the masculine is doesn't care as much about people's feelings and just wants to get the job done. So we <laughs> trying to be kind and not to offend anyone and not to upset anyone, uh, we can get ourselves in big trouble. In avoidance of conflict, we actually end up creating more of it. That's right. And quite often, yeah, we stuff the emotions down. That's then, then that becomes a health problem. But we're not very good at it because when something disrupts us, then we absolutely unleash and project all of our emotions and resentment and frustrations and rejection onto the poor person standing in front of us. Or we become passive aggressive and expect others to be able to understand what we're not saying humans are strange we're we're, yeah we're 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 an odd species (laughs) and that that loops us back to the self-expression because an empowered person i imagine would be able to recognize how they feel to then hopefully voice in some way what they what they need or um because anger i believe is when we're not getting we're not we're not being listened to or we're not being heard but the problem is so often we're not actually saying what we want so that's that passive aggression it's like well he should be able to read my mind he should know that i want flowers or whatever or um, we do this with our girlfriends as well but we're yep. not even willing to ask the questions like did you mean it like that and this is my me and my husband have been together since we were 17 wow and we've worked on our communication for a very long time so rather than me just get frustrated or angry or snap at him for something that I perceive he's doing. I'll be like, well, what happened there? Did you mean that? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. And we, we talk now versus just unleash on each other. And sometimes I'll just say, look, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Get out of my space. I don't want to project on you, but I'm feeling like I could at any second. <laughs> and we exit each other's space when yeah. we need that. So it's communication. But I think we've had that message drummed into us of don't upset anyone. Don't offend anyone. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Oh gosh, and- that's a real trigger word for a lot of Kiwis. The kind word <sighs> because our prime minister used to say it a lot. So we, <laughs> it's just kind is valued over strong. Mm. And I, I did a post. I'm not. I can't remember how long ago it was now. And there was quite a lot of reactivity to it actually about choosing to be strong versus kind. I bet you should be kind. There was a lot of those kind of responses. It's like, but you're going to offend anyone. Just by breathing, you will offend some people. So would you rather draw from your strength to create actual change or would you rather suppress 
that power, that passion, that excitement, that drive to validate someone in their emotions, keep them stuck and keep everyone happy, which you can't do anyway. So I get very, very fired up over this because I think even those women who claim to be empowered are still expecting kind versus strong. Mm. And uh, it's like, if you're going to say it like it is, you're going to upset someone and you're the worst person in the world. If you're going to talk realities when someone wants to live in their emotional delusions, then you are the worst person in the world. But I, I, yeah, I, I came up with a term with one of my coaches called ruthless compassion. <laughs> Sometimes we need to speak truths to actually create change and make people feel better, even if they don't like it in the moment. So I want to encourage women to draw from strength rather than trying to please everybody and not offend everybody because this world, the currency of this world right now is offense. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's not getting us anywhere good. And if we do it away from our evolutionary potential. That's Yeah. I was just going to ask you that because if we feel, if we're the one that's getting offended, it's like, we can now ask the question like, huh, that's interesting. Like, Yes. Yeah. How, how am I getting offended by that? What is that? And then we can evolve rather than digressing. So I love some of the phrasing you've been sharing with us. Earlier, you talked about relent, how you're relentless in the pursuit of truth. I love that. Um, and also ruthless compassion. And I think like that's something that's that's needed sometimes. Lacking. Lacking. Yeah. Um, we have to face what we offer the world as well. So I was just with my beautiful sister and we have an unwritten pact that we will confront each other with our own stuff. Trying really hard not to. Are swear. you guys twins or not twins? <laughs> Pardon? Are you twins or no? Well, people think we are. We look very similar, but no, not twins. We're three. Okay. Well, I have two but, sisters, but we're we're you know we're not triplets. <laughs> yeah, people have confused us at conventions. They've right. walked up to her and said, "Hey, um, it's it's been interesting. Yeah, okay. we sound the same too, apparently." But she said some things that she witnessed in me that were hard. Like I got really upset. I I was crying in this cafe because like they they cut deep, but I didn't blame her. I knew she was speaking true. Mm. So I'm exploring that desire to just get up and run away yeah. and like really acknowledging my my urge to blame her and go mad at her for upsetting me, like just witnessing all of these things happening within me at once. Mm. But what was important was like, am I really showing up like this? Yes. Yes, I am. Noticing my desire to defend myself, but also asking myself the question, do I want to change? Because if I do, then me lashing out at person reflecting this back to me indicates that I don't I just want to stay the same so we need to get very skilled mm -hmm. at yeah reflecting observing experiencing asking questions it's a process what a gift to have someone in your life sister or friend or whoever that can or partner that can come to you and say listen I'm going to share this with you it might you know, you know it might trigger something but I thought, you know, I want to share it. And you were, so that's amazing that you've got that relationship or you've come to that point in your relationship. Yeah. And it's learning to be willing to listen and actually explore, like, is this person right? And if they're not, then there's no reason to be upset. There's no reason because they're saying something that's not real. Mm. And that's, that's their projection or that moment of, 
is this real? And is this who I want to be? That That's the powerful shift. That's yeah. where you can actually go, all right, this is happening. I'm showing up this way. Where is this coming from? What's hiding underneath it? And yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful moment where you go, oh, this is what's wanting to come through. But because I'm afraid, it's projecting like this. So it's, it's, it takes learning. And this is what I think when people talk about emotional intelligence, it's not just going, well, I feel sad. It's going through that process of, all right, I feel sad, but what is that really? And what, what is it masking, et cetera, et cetera. So this is where evolutionary potential is born. It's behind all of that junk and conditioning we've been <laughs> collecting throughout our lives. Yeah, and our backpack is quite full at this point of junk and yeah. things we've been collecting. Bird and heavy, and most people numb, numb out on it. It takes a very brave human to actually stop and go, hmm, yeah, I'm ready. Let's face this. Amazing. What a, what an interesting topic. I love it so much. I'd love to ask you a few questions that I ask all of my amazing guests. What is something you've done in the last year where you've truly upped your brave? Oh, I feel like it, it's around what I've just been sharing. Like I've been on a journey of personal transformation for a very long time, but it was to some level still in avoidance. So I've I've had to make a commitment. Like, what is it that I actually want to do with my life? Do I want to move my business forward? Do I want to increase my impact? And what do I need to do to be able to achieve that? So I had the option of either releasing myself from the pressure of moving into legacy work and just being, just not going there. Uh, but I have made that commitment and <laughs> all those things have come. So I'm just sorting through all of that emotional drama now. <laughs> that is mm. exciting. Well, you are here for legacy work. Uh, what about the bucket list? Is there anything specific that you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with? It's such a multi-dimensional question. I mean, I always wanted to go to Scotland. <laughs> there's, there's that aspect, but I guess the. What do you think that's about? Why Scotland? Oh, I don't know. I've just always had this affinity with Scotland. Yeah. Uh, but I have recently discovered that part of my ancestry is there. So, yeah. Um, Do you Solomon listen to Mark Island. Atwood by any chance? Mark Atwood, he's in Scotland. No, no. Look him know. up on Rumble. He's great. Oh, it's he got that that sexy Scottish accent. Well, so. I mean, he's, he's he's a freedom truther person, so it's he's, he's okay. Right. Yes, he does have I, that accent. I could listen to that accent all day. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, in terms of physical stuff, it's just in the forefront of my mind that I want to go to Scotland. But I think personally, my my life's mission has always been to live my mission. <laughs> that's that's always look. I'm a mother, and they those those boxes are ticked. But to be honest, my my mission has always been my greatest calling. So yeah, just like what's next with that? What's next? What's next? I don't think I'm ever going to stop asking that question. Yeah. It's exciting. And when you do ask that sometimes, then the universe can bring you invitations and opportunities. Yeah. And you may not always like what you're going to get, but it always leads to something better. <laughs> what What is coming up for you? I mean, other than possibly Scotland, what is coming up for you in the next six months and how can people connect with you online? 
Well, I'm making quite a big shift in what I'm offering the world. I I do astrology experiences. I don't do readings as such. My mm. my offers are very different. But I've just decided that I need to step up and actually teach others how to do this and and teach people how to use astrology in their lives and their businesses to take them towards the the life that they are really craving. Um, so that's what's next, really. That's what my focus is going to be over the next six to twelve months and onwards. Mm. Time to really start building the legacy again. And people are really interested. They're starting to be more interested in things like astrology. So it's a great timing. How can people find you on Instagram or Facebook or your website? Uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, my website isn't very exciting right now. It's under construction. And so uh, I'll be, yeah, well, a new one is being slowly birthed. Uh, but uh, yeah, Michelin and I, you can read my Facebook and Instagram. I'm easy to find because I, as far as I'm aware, the only Michelina. All right, we're going to spell it for everybody. So it's M I K. Ooh, is it A L E N A? A L E N A. Yes. Okay. So Michelena Knight with a K N I G H T on Instagram and on Facebook. Amazing. So good. So just, All right. Before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? Oh, I don't. I think there's a lot of things I could share, but you probably have all noticed. I can talk a lot <laughs> about all the things I've asked. So I'll just. I'll be quiet now. <laughs> well, it's been amazing to chat with you. Where are you in Australia? I'm on the Sunshine Coast right now. Um, been been in a few different places, but this is where we've settled. I'm getting restless. I have always wanted to move to America. Um, so we'll see what happens with that in the future. Actually, that's something you can add to my bucket list to okay. live in America. Mm. So, hey, if anyone has connections for Scotland or USA, um, opportunities, you know, conferences, whatever it might be for Michelena, get in touch with her. And, you know, my husband is from, well, he's born in the UK, but he grew up in Adelaide. Ah, so, you know, we've got the Australian thing going on too. And you're in New Zealand. I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am a Kiwi by genetics, but I grew up in Canada and yeah. yes, I live in New Zealand. Yes. Yeah, all these countries that we are in have come from very interesting places right now. <laughs> That's right. And I do feel like, you know, in terms of life mission, I feel like we end up where we're meant to be for what we're here to do in the world. So I think there was a reason why I came for quote unquote one year and stayed for 27 so far. And same thing. I mean, you know, maybe you will go to Scotland and, and there's a reason and a timing about why you're meant to go. So let's see what unfolds. Oh, America, I would move there tomorrow if an opportunity opened up. I had uh, my astrocartography done, which is locational astrology. Mm -hmm. They find your power places and of all places my power places are florida and texas so yeah i i um it'd be very interesting to see what would happen to my life if i was to just up and leave and, and go there with my family of course i would never just yeah abandon my life and go off my own although it is tempting <laughs> <laughs> it is tempting for a holiday well let's see what arises thank you so much michelena for joining us today Thank you for having me. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I really enjoyed reconnecting with Michelena Knight myself, and I hope you enjoyed me bringing her thoughts and her insights to you. In this interview, we talked about the spiritual quest. We talked about relentless pursuit of truth. 
and becoming the observer of our own thoughts, actions, and patterns. We also talked about inner work and external action. And I don't know about you guys, but I do feel like I came to this world to do big work. And I feel like this is the time. We are doing big work in the world. I actually wrote something on my Facebook page the other day. I said, this might sound strange, but I feel like I'm here to heal humanity. And I feel like all of us are. I really feel like most of us are here to do that in our own way, with our own strengths and superpowers, with all of the lessons and challenges that we've had along the way, they will equip us. This is my take. They will equip us to bring everything um, together, bring everyone together and heal humanity. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show. And at this point in the show, I sometimes like to take us back. I sometimes like to take us to a flashback of a previous interview that I did. Now, earlier this week, I had the honor to catch up in person for a quick, well, not a coffee, actually. I had a lovely energy drink. Um... And I caught up. Uh, it was it was like a immunity ginger and orange drink, not a, not a V or anything. Uh, I caught up with the amazing Tim Bean, who is an executive longevity expert and a corporate speaker, based um, near Timaru, down south. And we had a great catch up about the state of the world and the state of health and the um, government and all of the things. It was incredible to catch up with him. And I thought, hey, I'm going to do a little flashback. For those of you that maybe missed our interview or maybe you listened to it, there was so much gold, so many incredible pearls of wisdom in that interview. Definitely check it out on the replay page when you get a chance. All you need to do is go to the app or go to our page and type in Tim Bean um, and that'll be and you'll find it, I'm sure. So in this little clip, um, he's sharing a little bit about um, some things that, you know, some of his insights on health and how we can be in charge of our own health and wellness. Here it is, Tim Bean. We are extremely worried with the direction this country's going in at the moment, but my bigger worry is the condition of the health of the people of New Zealand, because that over the last three years particularly has been seriously, seriously, not just neglected, but I think uh, and it's just my opinion. I think it's been abused, uh, and and I think people people are desperate to do something to get into a better shape and to build their own resilience and their health and their well being um, for a longer, healthier, active life for whatever's around the corner. You talked about when you were younger and having that appointment with the doctor, which I'm going to call a reality check moment. Do you think the last three years for Kiwis, you know, in terms of the health piece, has been a bit of a reality check or a wake up call for? us in terms of not just our own personal health but the health system i think so there's two there's two conversations i hear all the time that what was previously the dhb is under a lot of pressure and we're we're chronically underfunded and we have limited resources and we don't have enough staff and the facilities are poor a lot of the equipment's outdated um, people can't get appointments and and they're saying that the system is not geared to cope I think that's partially true. I think the bigger problem is that we're experiencing a huge overwhelm in sickness and disease in the pub from the public. Uh, and the system that was coping perfectly well beforehand is struggling and groaning and breaking under the pressure. Uh, so I, I think in the in the light of that, definitely some things should have been put in place to to build and rebuild and strengthen and reinforce the system that we have. But I think there's many aspects of the system that need a complete rethink. 
Uh, I'm not sure that it's as, as functional as it should be in terms of patient-specific individualized medicine and the opportunities for particularly GPs to 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 follow that path, um, rather than um, having generic protocols that everyone is dictated to follow, whether that's good for the individual or not. I think that's a serious mistake. I think the other thing is um, we have to come to the understanding that that um, if you think about it, our physiology is one is an ancient physiology, and our DNA hasn't changed in the last one hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand years. We we are today who our hunter gatherer ancestors were all those years ago, and if you think about it. That's correct. Our skeleton's the same. Our musculature's the same. Circulatory systems, endocrine systems, nervous systems, everything is still the same. What has changed is we are now hunter-gatherers and we're surviving and and trying to live in a concrete jungle. Mm. Uh, And by the way, I should say that's a concrete jungle of our own making. Uh, And this is where we're starting to get a lot of problems because there's responses and the things that we do in this new environment are not necessarily congruent with how our system is geared to operate effectively. And this is creating a lot of a lot of the problems that we see. I think we need to come to the understanding that this, this is a marvelous, marvelously capable physiology that we have that we're in possession of. It's 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 incredibly valuable. And if we can come to the understanding that it's our job to take care of it, not anybody else's, not your doctor, not your physio, not your chiropractor, your yoga instructor, personal trainer, health guru, whoever, it's your health and your job to manage it effectively, the same as anything else that goes on in your life. And this is where I think uh, a serious misstep has occurred because not since the the, the um, a whole crisis began, if you call it that, in 2020, I think 20th of March, we started our first lockdown. Uh, not since then has the um, the Ministry of Health, the Minister of Health, the Director General of Health uttered a single word about actual health. I mean, if you think about it, they've changed the conversation, I think hijacked the conversation and made it one of safety when we really should have been thinking about health. What are things that everyday New Zealanders can do to boost their immune system and get into a healthier state? Because right from the start, we were told and we were aware and we're still aware these sorts of things are failures of the immune system to deal with with the invasion of whatever is a virus or or, or um, uh, any other pathogens that come our way. And our immune systems are failing, but nothing from the government at all. All it was about safety. Now, imagine if that conversation had changed. And instead of saying, you know, keep a safe distance, uh, um, you know, we need to do this particular thing to, you know, keep keep grandma health, um, keep grandma safe and all this sort of thing, keep yourself safe. What if they said, do this to keep grandma healthy? Mm-hmm. Then you suddenly start to think of two things. Well, we need to do things to keep grandma healthy because clearly that's something that we need to boost up in a high-risk population. But second thing is, whatever the protocol is being put towards us, isn't doing that uh, and therefore is a nonsense and so that's our mission now is to sort of say well listen let's let's reset that conversation and say what can we do to rebuild our health what can we do to get to a higher state of health where we're more robust more resilient uh, we have greater defenses against anything that's coming our way but there's a lot to undo and then there's a lot to rebuild on the back of it so that's our main thrust is trying to help people to to come to terms with that and then to get their health up to a higher level.
Next, I would love to share with you a little sneak peek of one of the interviews that I've got lined up. I've got some incredible speakers um, on my calendar, and some of them I've spoken to already. One of them is Faye Lawand, and she is a stress response regulation expert and nervous system specialist. We are talking about the unexpected link between inner turmoil and chronic health conditions. So here's a little sneak peek of our interview, and you can listen to the rest of it probably next week. If we don't teach the body that actually it is safe, the body will continue to be in that bracing state, in that bracing mode, and over time will go into chronic frozen frozen uh, shutdown states. So part of supporting the nervous system is creating the physiology of safety, and that's always where I start, always. And for your listeners, whether you decide to do this work with me or with any other practitioner, I would really encourage you to start with with that safe space, creating the safe space. That's a way to really anchor you, ground your nervous system, and to fast track the process. But part of supporting the nervous system as well, um, uh, Nat, is also regulating, regulating our circadian rhythms. It's regulating our biology. You know, it's looking at things like, you know, our sleep, our circadian rhythms. It's looking at things like, you know, our zinc levels, our vitamin D levels, our iron levels, our magnesium levels. Oh, it just, I'm just thinking, imagine if the government had mentioned these things over the past four years. Well, well, I mean, because because this is very cost effective. This is the thing. They're not going to be able, like nobody's going to profit from this. I know. I just had to mention that. Profit other, other than you, other than us. That's, those are the only people that will, is us. Carry on. I just had to throw that in. I couldn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but also part of supporting the biology is uh Examining your relationship, but supporting the nervous system uh, through regulating biology is also looking at your relationship with alcohol, your relationship with coffee, your relationship with certain foods, certain allergens. And also part of supporting the nervous system is, and this is crucial, is uh, activating the inner, the body's inner calm. Now, what do I mean by that? It's not like, you know, having a glass of wine or having a bath or getting a massage or binge watching Netflix. Like, those are more like, they're more like leisurely activities. They're not relaxation. What I mean by activating the body's inner calm is doing things that will quite literally shift the nervous system from a place of stress to a place of relaxation. So it's activating the relaxation response, basically. And, um, and that's, that's like hitting the, hitting the brake. That really is hitting the brake. If stress is hitting the gas pedal, relaxation is hitting the brake. And when we get into the habit of consistently hitting the brake through our day, through our week, and through our lifetime, then there's no reason for the nervous system to become dysregulated. But what happens is that over time, there's an accumulation of stress hormones. We don't do anything in order to downregulate. Eventually, the system runs out of fuel and it goes into shutdown mode. I was just thinking about people that say, oh, I'm an active relaxer. Have you heard that term? I'm what an, is an active I'm relaxer? An, I'm an active relaxer. And, and what, sometimes what that means is it's a fancy way of saying multitasking, kind of. But they'll be um, watching TV, but then they'll be yes. like also kind of scrolling on the social media, which a lot of people do, but the multi-screen thing. But the active relaxer, well, they're not really relaxing. <laughs> oh. They're because, still doing something. Yeah. 
Because relaxation, you know, and here's the thing, like you'll know. So when we're talking about like re- like relaxation, this is how you know that uh, an activity is relaxing. First of all, is that it slows down that you're not using brain power. It slows down, quite literally slow down, slows down your brainwave frequencies. Like otherwise an activity is not relaxing. So this is why watching Netflix is not relaxing because, you know, your, your mind is still, your brain is still in beta, you know? Um, the other thing about um, about uh, an activity or an experience being relaxing is to what extent does it relieve tension from your physical body, emotionally, and from your mind? And so, yes, this is why like a massage can be uh, for a short period of time relaxing because it relieves really tension from the muscles. But if there's still emotional tension or mental tension, you're not going to f- reap the full benefits of a system being a relaxation mode where you're living your life with calm and confidence as a default, right? Because you can be on that massage table, either Mm. you're passed out from exhaustion or your mind is still racing. You could still be planning your menu, planning the day ahead. You could still be ruminating. So that's not real relaxation. So relaxation really is what we do in order to relieve tensions from the body, the emotions, and the mind. Thank you so much for joining us today, everybody, for listening. If you're just tuning in, we had incredible interviews today with Cameron Tukapua, and we talked about sovereignty and connecting the heart and mind. And next, I talked to Michalena Knight about expanding your evolutionary potential. Very interesting topics, and of course, more incredible and intriguing and interesting topics coming your way in the following weeks. But I'm also open to your thoughts. What would you love to hear? What topic would you love to have covered, either just generally spoken about in my monologue here or um, interviewed as a potential guest? We're more than open to your suggestions. You can get in touch and send us any requests for either music or guests or topics. You can do that on 2057 or on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. It's been an honor, an absolute honor to spend some time with you today. I would love to invite you to go ahead and share one of either my interviews or any of the other interviews um, with a friend, or maybe just introduce them to the app. They can simply download the Reality Check Radio app for free, and maybe, just maybe, it will open their eyes a little wider to some of the things that are going on in our world. I do feel positive about the future, and as you may know, I am a business and visibility coach, so I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to personal discovery and things like that, and I've got a little bit of a fun homework if you choose to do it. Something that I did with one of my coaching groups that I'm in, we wrote a DPS this week, which is a daily purpose statement, and all you do is write down these words, every day I get up to dot, 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 so that dot, dot, dot. And then you fill in the blank. And here's what I wrote. And there's no right or wrong. Whatever you wrote is for you. But if you choose to do it, it can be kind of cool. It can be a kind of cool thing to wake up to and to revisit and reconnect with every day um, to ensure that you're on path towards where you want to go and what do you want to be doing in the world. Because gone are the days of just waking up and going to work and whatever. We are here to make a massive impact, are we not? Here is my DPS, my daily purpose statement. Every day, I get up to shine the light on people, problems, and possibilities in the world so that we can come together and heal humanity.
I'll leave you with that. Have an incredible weekend. And until then, remember, 